Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back. Double cover, double cover, double cover. Mama, we made it. The network picked us up. Well, we're like established. We, we need the signs that says like clap, cheer, laugh. J-Mac here. D-Mac to the right. Welcome to Double Coverage. Mama, we made it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Double Coverage with the McCourty Twins. I'm your host, J-Mac. D-Mac is on the side of me. We come to you each and every week to bring you an inside look behind two professional NFL players and let you know a little bit about ourselves and our family life. You guys know you can catch us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Double Coverage with the McCourty Twins. Make sure you subscribe, and you can always find us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at McCourty Twins. I'm not going to waste any time today. The news cycle has been wild. We're going to get right into it. Your longtime coach, I played for Flo for a few years in New England, here in Miami this past year. Flo has come forward with a lawsuit against the New York Giants, the Denver Broncos, and um, and uh, the Miami, Miami Dolphins. Dolphins. And he is saying a lot right now. Before we even get into what he's saying, I want to speak a little bit to just Brian Flores as a coach, as a man. Deb, you got a chance. Flo was your position coach for some years, was your defensive coordinator. You were around him for, what is it, seven, eight, no, nine years, right? Uh, the whole time you were in New England. The whole time, yeah. to be my, Miami's coach. How would you describe Flo? What would you say about him? Obviously, you don't know about the inside of the allegation, but what would you say about your interactions and your dealings with Flo over the years? Yeah, I think anybody that knows, I think you know from being in Miami and, you know, even the people in Miami, just a straightforward type of guy. He always tell people, if, you, if, you, if you've been in the Northeast or grew up in the Northeast, he's a guy from Brooklyn, Where's it proud? I mean, the guy was, you know, I mean, he was so happy when the Brooklyn Nets got to, when they left Jersey and went to Brooklyn, rocking the gear, everything. So, you know, I think it's what you see is what you get. He's going to always tell you the truth. He's always going to be up front with you. Um, So it is a, a very interesting allegation, I think, for anybody that knows him. They know what type of guy he is. They know how he's worked his way up. If you followed anything from New England, it was in scouting. Um, was a, a offensive assistant coach. Then he was an assistant special teams coach. Then he was an assistant on defense. Then he was a safety coach, a linebacker coach, ultimately a defensive coordinator, and then a head coach. So he's done the long haul of coaching, went to Boston College where he's a good player there. So he's done all of that. He's checked every box from coaching to character. Um, so, you know, I, I think we talked about it earlier on this show, uh, you know, weeks back, well, how surprised we were he got fired because of the – the winning seasons, back-to-back winning seasons in Miami, first time in 20 years. So um, it, it is putting a spotlight on the NFL. It is showcasing and showing uh, what a lot of people have talked about over the years. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how far this thing goes. Yeah, without a doubt. Like you said, I got a chance 
uh, to play for Flo in New England, came down here in Miami, got a chance to play for Flo. And the same guy. I mean, like you said, straightforward, uh, uh, upfront guy, a family guy, married, kids. I mean, Flo's the type of guy I know you said throughout your years in New England, you spent Thanksgiving one year at his house with his family. And that's kind of the type of guy Flo is. So like you just said, all of this stuff that's coming out, let's start to unpack it. I mean, as I read and saw, obviously, his text messages with Bill and he's getting ready. Just if you think about it from the, the roller coaster of emotions. All right. You're like you said, a New York guy. The Giants are obviously in Jersey, but that's that's your home team. Probably grew up a, a Giants fan. You find out that, that they want to bring you in. They want to interview. You're fired up. You get that text message that says congrats. The first thing that may come to your mind is just like, <sighs> dang, maybe I'm like the top the top of the list. Like maybe all I got to do is go don't blow the interview in his, in his mind. And then the text messages continue to flow between Flo and, uh, and Bill. And it's just like, oh, this was just a mistake. And we've all been there before. You, you've, I've probably texted my wife before texting Deb, like, man, Melissa getting on my nerves right now. And then next thing you know, you look up and you sent that text message to her. And you just like, oh, damn, it's not going to be a good night. I may have to make my pallet on the couch. But in this instance, it was a whoopsies. And for Flo, now you see that text message and you're still walking into that interview knowing that you're not going to get it. And I think it obviously speaks to a bigger fact when we talk about the Rooney rule. And you saw uh, Marvin Lewis came out and said he went through a similar thing. Uh, he was down defensive coordinator with the Ravens. The uh, Carolina Panthers wanted to interview him. But he says that Friday, I think he said one of the sports guys, maybe Chris Morrison or somebody, says that the Panthers were going to hire John Fox the following Friday. He said, but then he comes in on Monday, and the then Ravens, Ravens GM, Ozzie Newsom, says to him, hey, Panthers want to interview. He's like, well, they just said that that job is gone already. Said he goes to the interview. They're saying, no, that's not true. Like, we're still blah, blah, blah. They end up hiring John Fox that Friday. So I think this is something that's often talked about. Coaches say, hey, we go interview, but at the same time, we're going in knowing that we're probably not really being considered for the job, but the Rooney rule has to be satisfied, and you can't turn down that opportunity because you need to know what it's going to take to eventually get that role. So just that those emotions that went into everything, we cannot deny, like, this is, this is crazy, you, you know? Look, this isn't surprising to anybody in the NFL world and NFL circle. There's been plenty of times where uh, at the end of a season, we know a coach is going to get fired and rumors already start to swirl. And then it gets like one of those serious sources say so-and-so will be the next head coach. And then all these flags start to erupt, uh, whether it's Peter King or Mike Florio. They post an article, well, if this is true, this team didn't satisfy the Rooney rule. So we got tired of seeing that. So now every team is like, you know what? We, we know who we want to hire, but we got to do what we got to do. So let's call in all the top black candidates that are out there. Let's call Pat Graham. Let's call Brian Flores. Let's call Gerard Mayo, um, uh, D'Amico Ryans and Sam Fran. Let's call these guys. Let's call Jim Caldwell again. Let's keep bringing Jim Caldwell after back-to-back -back playoff seasons. Let's keep calling him in. We'll interview him. We know we're not going to hire him. Even though he had a pretty good deal of success, the last successful coach that really was in Detroit, he still has no job. So I think it's very interesting. I think it's now spotlighting what a lot of people have talked about. Like, you go in locker rooms, you go to dinners where there's NFL players, current players, former players, um, 
coaches. Like this is a this is an ongoing conversation that has been in the NFL for years of how do we get more diversity in coaching and the front office and general managers. Like me and you talked about a few days ago um, when you said you were talking to someone, even on the business side of football. You know, I think that's that's what we're talking about here. Like we're talking about a microcosm of all of America, of top, you know, Fortune 500 companies, these big companies at the top and highest level of these companies. There are always going to be certain people you just don't see. And I think it's important that the NFL, you know, maybe hey, Jay, maybe they need to hit up the expire, uh, inspire change campaign. Inspire Change campaign needs to call flow, jump on board, because this is inspiring change. This is what we do in the community. We have all these things we do. Let's go here. Let's do this. Let Inspire Change maybe just help the help its own uh, source out, help the NFL out. Maybe that maybe that'll be a big difference. Without a doubt, and I think like you just said, there's no denying the the hiring practices and all of these things weren't just because if they were there would have been no creation of the Rooney Rule. This rule was put in place because there was obviously an, a problem with the diversity that was going on in the NFL. So we can't act as though, like, hey, this, this issue doesn't exist. If it didn't exist, you would have no reason to have the Rooney Rule. And I believe the Rooney Rule is put in place with all good intention. But it's just like, my thing with the whole thing is, how do you fix this? Because how, like, do you go in, can you say, like, hey, you have to hire a coach of this race. You have to hire a black coach. You have to hire a minority coach. I think Flo said you're trying to change the hearts. And I think Shannon Sharp was saying that. How? How do you do that? How is that possible? How are you convincing this owner that, and Shannon, I'm taking this from Shannon Sharp, how do you convince this owner to hire someone that doesn't talk like him, doesn't look like him, doesn't come from the same background as him, to lead men? Can you... Some of them probably can't envision doing that. So this is an issue that, like Flo said, is way bigger than himself. And we've seen Hugh Jackson came out and uh, said that he can relate. Obviously, I just said Marvin Lewis. Hugh Jackson said he could, could, could relate on the standpoint of Flo saying uh, Dolphins owner Stephen Ross was offering him $100,000 per loss. Hugh Jackson said it wasn't per loss, but there were other things, possibly things like draft picks, like the, having the youngest team, different variables that may come into play of having a losing team where there was incentives uh, of, of being met. Uh, obviously, from a player standpoint, from uh, staff, and a lot of people aren't going to know whether this is true or not. I was on the 2017 Cleveland Browns. I wasn't on the 2019 Dolphins, but I've been in this organization this year in 21. Players, staff, like, no one's privy to those type of conversations that are being had. But I was in Cleveland in 2017. There's no way we were trying to win. It was very obvious that that is to no surprise of anyone. Like, you don't need me to corroborate the story and say, oh, yeah, we definitely were tanking. We were trying to lose. Duh. You don't like I, I said this and I'll, I'll let Dev talk too. I said this when I got to New England, like you realize like winning in the NFL is not easy. So you don't want to take it for granted. You celebrate your wins. But the year I spent in Cleveland also taught me that winning ain't this hard either. Like, you don't just go <laughs> one in 31. Like, it's not that hard to figure out on the other end of it. So maybe, maybe there needs to be a lottery or some form like the NBA does. So maybe it's not as incentivized to lose to be able to get Joe Burrow and be in a Super Bowl t uh, uh, two years later. And exactly. The way that the format of it, um, I mean – and I get it, the integrity of the game for fans watch. But, like, 
No one's surprised by tanking. Tanking is a, a, a very known thing. Now, I think we do have to, you know, take in consideration and, you know, we have to be reasonable. A lot went into deflate gate. A lot went into that. You know, Tom is he's killing the integrity of the game. We're, we're going to give all our resources, FBI, everything like we need to investigate this hard because it is important that we rem we keep the integrity of the game. Wait, so like we're going to is this true? Like we're paying coaches to look like. And I think like that's what is so funny that, you know, when you start to think back to these things, that's why they need to be addressed. And I think it's very interesting. Teams, the NFL, these statements came out so fast about the hiring practices. And my thing is, but we so know it's an no issue. Merit. Yes, so like no we merit. know it's an issue. Like why not why not actually think about your statement and say, hey, like we're trying to remedy this. We're trying we've been trying that. That's why there is a Rooney rule. Like Maybe we do need to take a closer look into this and figure it out and then talk about, you know, all the accusations. But to just come out and say there's no merit, there's no anything, it's like, really? Did you actually even, did you call up the Giants? Did you call, did you do any type of like, well, let's fact check or anything or just say, you know what, protect the shield. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. Um, I can't wait to see how this all plays out. There's so many former coaches players, current players, current coaches um, that I think will come in to support and talk about these issues. Um, and it's, it's like we've been saying for the last couple of years, you talk about social justice and equality. Let's put it on the table and let's talk about it. Let's all try to figure it out. I agree with you, J-Mac. Like we don't have, I don't think anyone has the answer to how do you remedy this? How do you get more black coaches, more black GMs? How, how do you get more women coaches? How do you get more women, Gia? Like, how do we get spread diversity and get more people involved in something that's special, the game of football, the National Football League? And I think that's something that needs everyone at the table talking about. So um, a lot of times, how do people get talking? When grenades and nuclear bombs like this lawsuit get dropped. Uh, so we'll have to see how everything kind of spaces out and spreads out as this bomb uh, really takes over and uh, we'll see how it. Uh, the I guess I should say we'll see the damage it causes. Yeah, and I think I think you just said it. Like we don't know how to change hearts. We don't know what success in this arena looks like. But for right now, do you think this is going to have an impact on the last few vacancy of head coaching jobs? Do you think a team like Houston possibly wants to hire uh, McCown? Do you think they kind of hold off, let a little bit of the dust? kind of fall to the wayside do you think Jacksonville maybe if they're not going with Byron left with you they say hey well you know what let's let's hold off a little bit before we go ahead and hire Doug Peterson possibly do you think that this the lawsuit and everything is going to impact the last few coaching hires or do you think it just comes down to hey like hey, I'm over in Jacksonville I'm over at the beach in, in, in the sunny weather I ain't got nothing to do with what they got going over there I'm just gonna go ahead and do my due process and hire who I feel is the best guy for the job because everybody's always gonna say that we're just hiring the best guy for the job uh, I think it'll definitely have an impact I mean uh, you heard Shannon Sharp talking about it It got rumored that Byron Leftwich was gonna be Jacksonville's next head coach and they said Byron Leftwich decided hey I want Adrian Wilson as my GM Kind of, you know, a little bit similar to Josh McDaniels and Dave Zeitler going to the Raiders. It, who got the job first? I don't know, but it was like, hey, I want this I guy with deal. me. Hey, I want. I, hey, that's how we want to come in. We can get this thing going, but you got to give me my guy. Um, and it was interesting. Like, if all of this stuff is true, 
you know, that situation doesn't fit this. Now, we can think of a million reasons of why, you know, we can choose this one or choose that one. But I do think it's going to have an impact because here you have Kevin O'Connell seemed like he was going to be the favorite in Minnesota. Like you said, um, you know, I think all of these different things are now everyone, I think, is going to be a little cautious to make sure that they really go over every hiring process, everything they did. And I think there will be teams that say, you know what, I don't care. I want to hire my guy and move on. But I think ultimately why the NFL and why the owners are so good at what they do, those 32 guys will get together and they will say, hey, I know you want to hire your guy, but this is what's best for the league. Wait. And no matter how much they don't like each other, disagree, they will wait because that is what's in the best interest of the league. And I think that's how they'll figure it out. They won't. Teams won't figure this out one by one. Teams will, all 32 will come together and they will 31, say. 31, 31. Packers don't got nobody. Oh, yeah, they got, got a group of, they got a group of people, my bad. They got somebody. I don't know how all that <laughs> stuff play out, but they got somebody talking. Um, but I, I think that's how they'll figure it out. And I think they'll make decisions and, and use the PR and all of that um, to try to save face and, and make sure that all this comes out the way they want. Yeah, I think you said it. Uh, when it comes to the league, big business, perception is reality. So you always got to make sure the right perception is, is out there. And when you talk about perception is reality we thought Brady had already retired but that perception was not reality and then a few days later I guess it was but Mm. it wasn't and it wasn't until it was Tom Brady calls it a career after 22 magnificent years especially the 2018 into 2019 season Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta New England Patriots versus LA Rams one of Brady's best seasons ever because I was there to win a Super Bowl with Thomas Brady so that is by far my favorite Brady season but Brady calls it a career amazing amazing run I definitely thought I mean I thought he could play forever if you guys haven't seen it on my Instagram I posted a video of my son Caden he loves everything Brady I mean he's more of a Brady fan than of me of Dev he'll tell us any day I mean the Tampa Bay blew us out here uh, with the Dolphins this year and he was fired up when I got home to talk trash but I posted how he uh, we watched the game the divisional where they ended up falling short the excitement and the low of them losing that game he takes it very serious and that's how a lot of us fans were this past week when Brady decided to hang up the cleats we were devastated after watching him for years and years fourth quarter comebacks huge moments just making play after play Dev you were teammates with Brady for what 10 years Yep. And I I think the I think the 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 thing about his retirement, you know, I think we all wanted like to be shocked a little bit. You know, I think everyone thought there was a chance at retirement, but we wanted to jump might on be the MVP. He might but, be the MVP. Uh, who cares about that? We wanted to jump on Instagram and see like some like the video Brady dropped now this week. Dropped his career. Like, that's what we wanted. We wanted to be like, man, did you see that Brady video? He is retiring. Instead, we had to read the tweets and all of that from a bunch of other people that no one cares about. Um, And that's what I I wish I would have got. I wish I would have went on and got a text like, yo, you saw the the video Brady just dropped. 
That's what we wanted. Instead, he had to go with the black background, white letters, and, and do the retirement with the with the long right right outs and you know what I mean, thanking everybody in Tampa, thanking his family, um, and, and, and just talking about his career. Sorry, Patriots oh, fans. You didn't, didn't make that, you didn't make I was that about list. To say, you're you're, you're a in Patriot. The, I don't do care. Do you feel I don't, some type of way? No, I actually I, I know him. So like I don't care. Like who who cares? Like it is what it is. I mean he retired. He left the Patriots and he did a whole a whole big thing about leaving the Patriots. Like he retired. Like when someone retires, it's about them retiring. It's not about everybody else. It's about them retiring. Let them retire how they want. Like he might not do anything else for his retirement. It might just be social media video, a post, and that's it. People are gonna be mad because he don't he doesn't come to the facility or go to if he don't come to the Patriots facility or go to Tampa facility, should he go to both facilities? Should he just host a press conference at TB12? Who knows? But what if he chooses the wrong TB12? Like, is this what we're going to talk about? Let my man retire. He gave us 22 years of just all-out competitiveness, gritty. Uh, I mean, I think everybody that's played with him, you got better at figuring out how to win from just being around him. I truly believe that he is the most competitive person that I've ever been around, um, whether it's playing against B-Hoy, playing against Hoyer, uh, um, playing horseshoes against Hoyer, um, I mean Cornhole, playing Cornhole against Hoyer, one shot, all, all or nothing, and Hoyer beats him five times in a row when they come back out of quarterback me, and he's like, Hoy, let's go again. And I'm looking <laughs> at Hoy, and Hoy's just laughing because he's like, sure, Tom, because Hoyer's better at him. But... All that mattered was that one time, time one, he would look, he would talk his trash, and that was all that mattered. And that's how he was as a, as a competitor, and I'm sure that's how he'll be moving forward. His kids might be a little scared now because he won't have that outlet of football, so he might be pushing them to brush their teeth better. He might be pushing them to eat their broccoli better. So it might get a little intense at the Brady household, but like he told me one time on the bus, on the way to the plane to go to one of the five Super Bowls we went to together. You like that? That's a nice little boom drop right there. Uh, he said the wife, wifey runs the household. He said there's good times he's gone to the Super Bowl. She told him she had a good feeling about it. He said there's times he went. She told him she didn't have a good feeling about it, and he lost those games. So he will be on those kids hard probably at home, but he will have to get in where he fits in. And that's probably where Giselle tells him he fits in. So happy retirement to our guy, TB12, man. It's been a pleasure to watch and play with that guy. No doubt about it. You talked about playing in five different Super Bowls. You will not be playing in a sixth one this year because that will be the Cincinnati Bengals and the L.A. Rams Joe Burrow, I mean, jackpot Joey takes them to the Super Bowl after being drafted number one two years ago. And I mean, what a First run time ever, Cincinnati. right? First time yeah. ever? Yeah. What a, what a run for Cincinnati. I mean, and it's, this we talked about being bad for the league. Cincinnati in the Super Bowl, I feel like it's good for the league. This is a team that I don't think anybody in August when training camp was rolling away, no one was picking Cincinnati to go to the Super Bowl two years from drafting the number one pick. Then they drafted Chase this past year. I'm not sure what he went, but he went high in the first round. They only won two games a year before. So it just goes to show that, hey, there's some par parity in this league. And draft right, 
right free agents, you can turn it around rather quickly and be competing for the so, Super Bowl. So, so, so what you're saying is lose to get better players so you can compete for the Super Bowl. I'm saying lose, do it correctly, and get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> don't lose and just keep on losing. I was a part of that. that don't, don't do that. Don't because you're just gonna keep losing. As we saw, the Browns won last year, and then this year they got right back to the losing. So that 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 don't do that. Don't do that. That don't work. Don't, and, the fans don't want to see it. No one wants to see it. And I will say, there's a lot of pressure on this Super Bowl right now. All all football fans, you watch a divisional round. You watch those games, the Buffalo to Kansas City. You want like. These games were phenomenal. I mean, you had the Bengals and the Titans. You had Green Bay and Sanford. Like, you're watching these games down to the end, and you're just hanging on your seat like, oh, my goodness, like, the, like this is awesome. Then we go to the conference championships, and you get the Chiefs and the Bengals. I mean, a great game. Chiefs run away great with it in the first a, half. A tale of two halves, yeah. Yes. And then you get, the, then you get the San Fran and the Rams game, and it's like, all right, this is about to turn this way. Man, like San Fran's kind of controlling this game. And then you get you know that game. You know, you know what's crazy to me about that mm-hmm. game? Like, Cooper Cup had 142 yards on 11 catches. Odell Beckham had nine for 113. But, like, I don't want to say I'm fine with Odell having uh, nine for 113. But I'm okay with it because I've, I'm not letting Cooper Cup kill me. He had, I think, 180-some yards the week before. Like, this guy was the leading receiver in every category for receivers this year. Receptions, yards, t- all of these things. And we just let him go for 140-something yards. But I digress. Go ahead. I didn't want to cut you off. It, 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 what do they say? It be like that sometimes. And, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, and if you double them too much, the Odell Beckham's 113 might turn in to 190 to 200. He can still do that. But like so I was what? saying, the, the, like, the like I was saying, stop. my bad. Like I was saying, yeah, don't cut me off anymore. We'll have time. We'll, you'll give us your pick, and we'll talk about all that a little bit later. But the pressure of the Super Bowl now is who wants to watch all these good games, and then if the Super Bowl is not great, if it's not one of those just epic Super Bowls, I mean, like, you want it to be epic. I mean, even last year, like, last year's game I thought was good. Kansas City and Tampa. I mean, Tampa kind of controlled it. They were harassing Mahomes the whole time. So, but it was still a decent game. Like, you watch it. Like, but if that game, if we get that kind of game this year, it, that's going to be disappointing. Because we just knew, we knew who was going to win most of the back half of the fourth quarter. Like, these games, we, like, it could be it could be anybody's game. So, hopefully that is what we see in this Super Bowl. Um, I do believe we got, you know, we got experience versus kind of the new guy on the block. So uh, always mm-hmm. fun to kind of watch. And you got a team that I think will be the ultimate underdog in Cincy. Um, and now the Rams get to play that other kind of, you know, we've been here before. We were here just a couple of years ago. Like the pressure's on. you. All those guys want to win um, because they were there before. Guys like Stafford, 13, year 13, like they want to win. Um, and, you know, Cincy kind of has that edge of, you know, we're new. Like we got a good young talent. We'll be back. But will you be back is always a question that has to be in the back of your mind. Can't wait to watch it. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, Let's get into a little bit of what's going on in the group chat. We're going to stay with the Cincinnati Bengals. Jersey guy, Eli Apple, has been letting people have it this year throughout the playoffs. He let the Giants fan base, the Saints fan base have it. He said, look at me now. 
and now he is going to the Super Bowl, and he lets McCall Harmon and Tyreek Hill know, hey, fellas, no hard feelings. Hit me up. I got a plethora of Super Bowl tickets, and I can get you one. You can be in L.A. SoFi Stadium, sunny, beautiful. Come out, watch me play in the Super Bowl. Yo, you a fan of this Eli Apple trash talk week in and week out? Or are you more of the, man, just shut up and go play some football and try to win a Super Bowl? So we said he ran the risk when he talked trash uh, after they won, um, what was that, against the Titans? And he talked yep. about the fan base. He's like, mm, this is risky. He's going against some dogs over there. And they won. How he played, well, all of that, you can make that decision. That's your opinion. He played well enough for them to win against an offense that is one of the best in the league. So, am I a fan of it? Absolutely not. I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I think it's a little bit for attention, but ultimately, it is a team game. If Eli Apple talking trash helps them win and it puts pressure on him, to set, I don't know what it does to help them. But it's working. Eli, keep talking. You talk. They ran their mouths about you when you came into the league, talking about you couldn't, you wasn't a grown up or something, and all. Talk your talk, Eli. His time is now. But I'm not hey, a fan. I'm all, I'm all for it. When you win, you can say whatever you want. And but you got to win the last game. Winning, you got to win the last he, game. And, and he is on pace. Whoever he beats, <laughs> he's letting them know. Hey. I am here, Eli Apple. Don't throw the ball on this side of the field. I will tackle you down by the goal line as he did in that game. Like you finished it up. Forget about the nonsense you said before. Talk your talk, Eli Apple. New Jersey, stand up. <laughs> he, he is definitely repping that good old South Jersey. Big shout out to Logan Ryan. Uh, he was he was repping Eli Apple early, telling me about him. So uh, we we will have to say though, it is cool to see uh, Eli Apple. I think it. I think a lot of people uh, in our sport and people outside of sport a lot like to put bust on guys. He's a bust. He's not good. So to see Eli Apple, you know, go to the Giants, first round draft pick, doesn't work out. Go to the Saints, doesn't work out. To now be playing in Cincy, starting, having success in the Super Bowl. I get the trash talk, and we could crack and joke about that. But I think the process, the journey to be here, that is important for all kids to see. It's not always going to go your way, uh, but sometimes it does. But also another factor will be when it does go your way, how you supposed to act? J-Max say talk, you talk. I say how you supposed to act. But yeah. moving on, moving on, moving on to San Francisco, uh, San Francisco 49er tight end coach slash assistant head coach uh, John Embry won't be back with the team. Now, rumors came out um, that Embry was asked to take a 60 percent pay cut uh, if he would like to keep his job. Uh, it has been well noted that he had a big factor on the development of George Kittle. Uh, fifth round draft pick when he got to San Francisco. Now uh, one of the league's best tight ends. Um, and I would say probably the league's best overall tight end when you talk about doing everything. Um, a very interesting story when this came out. Uh, what's your take on it? 60%, I never heard of this. No doubt about it. I mean, we always hear about players. I mean, I was in Tennessee and the pay cut that I was asked to take was bigger than 60%. So uh we know we know from a player standpoint what's that what that is like, but also in the process of me being asked to take a pay cut, I asked the general manager at the time it was John Robinson. I said, "Hey, well, if I'm taking a pay cut, 
That must mean you see my role being reduced. And he clear as day said, yes, I do. I see you as the fifth or sixth corner. And that's why I was like, well, I guess I got to get the hell out of here. But at the same time, he tried to make it make sense to me. It didn't make sense to me. So that's where you had to part ways. I wonder in this, if there is a 60% pay cut for the tight ends coach, what what is the reduction? Is, is he doing less coaching? Like, because he's coaching Kittle. I mean, we, we watch Kittle. I mean... This is a man child out there. So if if that's the bar that we're saying, well, then he's we're not going to say it's all because of him. But hey, one of the best guys I'm coaching is one of the best guys in the NFL. How else you want me to get judged? Yeah. Uh, And and then, like you said, though, like you took a yours was asked to be even bigger. But we were talking about a a lot higher starting point, probably, too, for your salary. I'm just very interested in, like, how much was he making to take a seat? Like, did it put him in the realm of other coaches? Was it so uh, I'm anxious to see if any more information comes from this. Um, I don't know if if, uh, Coach Embry will be talking about it or if he just moves on. Um, But it was a very weird story to see come out. Um, that he wasn't retained, which happens all the time. But it was like, well, he wasn't retained, but it was kind of because he wouldn't take the 60% pay cut. So uh, hopefully yeah. more details come out on that. And uh, we can see a little bit into the life of being a coach. I, I don't think guys get to, I don't think players and fans always get to see the inner workings of being an assistant mm-hmm. coach, not just a head coach. No doubt about it. And I mean, staying right along the line in San Francisco talking pay cuts. Jimmy Garoppolo may have to take a pay cut to switch teams because they're saying right now his representatives and the 49ers are working together to try to facilitate a trade for Jimmy to end up elsewhere. Do you... I mean, we look at his record with Shanahan, and they've been successful. I mean, Very they played successful. in the Super Bowl. They lost to the Chiefs. They were knocking on the door uh, to return to the Super Bowl this year, losing in the conference championship game. Is it time to move on from Jimmy G, or is this one of those things where his numbers may not look great, but, hey, look at the man's record. He's a winner. Would you? Or do you say, hey, ride out with Jimmy G, or do you say, hey, it's time to see. We drafted Trey Lance. It's time to see what the future holds for this young man. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Once you drafted Trey Lance, uh, I think this ultimately was the move you decided to make. You decided, you know, we're going to take a guy top five uh, at – at a position that, you know, we already have a guy that's paid in the above part of the NFL uh, at his position. So um, now we have this guy. We, we can't have you making almost 30 mil to start at quarterback and invest so much into the, I think it was number three, like you said, number three, third, third pick of the draft. So once this season ended, I mean, you really would have been in a pickle if he would have went to that Super Bowl and won, um, but, you know, goes in the NFC Championship and loses, so it looks kind of crazy. He has a winning record overall, winning record in the playoffs, um, but now you, you'll you be trading him, and I think you have to because of the decision you already made. Yeah, I think it's time. I, I, I honestly feel that way. Um, obviously, Jimmy's won. He's done a, 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 a admirable job in San Francisco, but one could say, hey, we drafted this kid because we feel like he can get us over the hump. They haven't won the Super Bowl, and they may feel as though they built a team that is ready to win the Super Bowl by the fact of the mere fact that they've been knocking on the door. And they may look at it, hey, this kid may be the it factor. We insert him into this offense. We allow him to get comfortable. We say the job is his, opposed to all of the back and forth. Is it Trey Lance? Is it Jimmy Garoppolo? No, we hand the keys over to this man, and we feel like he may be the determining factor to get us over the hump. I mean, Kansas City 
City with Alex Smith. Alex Smith was a really good quarterback in the NFL. He was rocking with San Francisco, taking them, and then Colin Kaepernick comes in and gets him to the Super Bowl. He goes to the Chiefs. He's doing well with the Chiefs. But there was an it factor that there just might have been missing because we insert Patrick Mahomes, and these guys are going to the conference championship every single year and have already won a Super Bowl. So you can't just maybe stick with the status quo just because we're afraid to mm. see what's on the other side of the door. It's time right now to insert Trey Lance and see, hey, this is the kid we drafted to win us a Super Bowl so that we can be dancing in June at the ring ceremony and we're passing them things out and everybody's putting their middle finger up to say, ah, we did it. But we shall see. But I do think it is the Trey Lance era in San Francisco, and I do believe uh, that it is the right move. The and right those are, move. The, hold on, those those are great comparisons to bring up those guys uh, moving on, and, and you know what I mean with Alex Smith. But we probably don't remember the guys that got moved on, and then the other guy stepped up. Um, you know, almost like NC State telling Russell Wilson beat it scram, and then bringing in Glennon. So it will be interesting. We'll either always talk about this as a chance uh, that you know Trey Lance comes Seattle. in and took him. Seattle moved on from Matt Flynn when they got Russell Wilson in Seattle, and they well, they were there the same. They were they were there the same year. Russell Wilson was just better than Matt Flynn. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm I'm a little back and forth. Don't never hurt nobody. But Odell Beckham made some great decisions. He picked up two million dollars in bonuses as they head to the Super Bowl. Ain't nothing wrong with a nice little ring and a nice little piece of change to go along with it. So shout out uh, to OBJ earning some extra dollars in his pocket. The Washington... Uh, oh, you tell you know, you can hit Washington. You can hit Washington. The the Washington football team has decided on a new name. The Commanders. I saw somebody say on the internet's undefeated. Said they look like uh, the All American uh, TV show, and it looks like my man is Spencer James is getting ready to score a <laughs> touchdown. With the, this is a new promo for the new series. What do you think? You like the you like the name? You like the unis? Is is it dope? Fresh? Well, you, what you thinking? Uh, no one cares. This is like the bottom of the news cycle. It, they try to come out at a good time, but um, <laughs> like no, like no one cares. They got a new name. Football team obviously wasn't going to work, um, but we're going to give the the attention that everybody else did to this. We gave it a good thirty to forty five second, like you know, what I mean, new name. Um, but there's too much other stuff happening in the NFL. Like they released it before the Super Bowl. Like what? What? Like what was the point of that? Like you. That's supposed to be like in the off season or something. I don't know. That, that that was very weird to me. I think they tried to shift some stuff and like, hey man, look, we got a new team, new logo. Like, hey, remember that thing that you guys said was bad? Our old name. Like, hey NFL, we fixed this. Check it out. Is it? No, sorry. Let's let's move on. Uh, but speaking of Odell Beckham earning money, the WNBA has raised seventy five million dollars in a new capital campaign mm. money to. Uh, further the vision of the game for marketing, for branding, uh, for growth of the game. So shout out all the women in the WNBA. We're always talking about women getting paid more and trying to make it more equal to men. Um, and I think this is a step in that direction. They raise money from other investors the first time. Um, so hopefully this really means this game can grow. Some of these women are absolute studs. They can play with any guy, any level, um, there's some, I mean, some absolute studs. You've seen some of these women sign super max contracts. Um, I just love it when we're starting to talk about the game uh, of basketball and the women's game at WNBA and you talk about super maxing. So hopefully this just continues to grow and grow 
Um, so we can, you know, we can have these women pushing to become uh, whatever it is they want. For sure. And I mean, that's just awesome. And I think uh, when you talk about awesome, that means it's time to get into the Dan O'Brien keeping it awesome moment of the week. What do you got for us, Dan? This is this has to be by me. You know what I mean? I, I got the boss in New England in me. My wife's over here asking me, am I going somewhere? I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to do my podcast. But the Dan O'Brien keeping it awesome moment of the week, which you see my hand at Dan O'Brien. Shout that out. Uh, Big Poppy. This is in Boston. It's my city. Big Poppy going to Cooperstown, uh, elected into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Baseball Hall of Fame is a lot different. I mean, Big Poppy's going to be the youngest elect to go into the Baseball Hall of Fame. First time eligible into the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's had just such big moments. And if you've ever been to a charity event when Big Poppy is there, it will be the time of your life. He's going to drop some F-bombs. It's going to be a good time. So uh, as a, a New England guy playing in here 12 years, that is huge. Salute to Big Poppy. Only one going into the Hall of Fame. Um, I, I just think that's awesome. You have to have over 75% votes. He was the only one to get over that 75% mm. threshold. Uh, so speaks volumes of what he was able to do with his career. Shout out Big Poppy. No doubt about it. Big Poppy uh, obviously went in. We're going into the Hall of Fame. We're going to also get into who won the week. And this is an easy one. Winning the week down over there in L.A. on the West Coast was Matthew Stafford and Odell Beckham Jr. And they won the week because, like you said earlier, Stafford in his 13th year did a lot of losing in Detroit while playing good football. One of my favorite quarterbacks to compete against and to watch. I think he's a really, really good player. And you guys have all seen it this year. It's going to his first Super Bowl. And Odell Beckham Jr. gets traded to Cleveland. And everybody writes him off. He has the knee surgery. He's no longer good. He's washed up. He's not the player he once was. And then he goes to the Rams and continues to make play after play after play after play to say, yeah, it's the Browns' fault why I, won't, why I wasn't good over there. And now he's headed to his first Super Bowl as well. So those two guys, huge, huge reasons why the Rams are getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. And for obvious reasons, they have won the week. Dev, who do you got losing the week? It's an obvious answer. Yeah, I'm going to be quick with this one. Who lost the weekend? The whole NFL players, coaches. If you have anything to do with the NFL, just going through this and knowing uh, what the league has been and, and trying to remedy this and fix this issue, uh, I think a lawsuit coming down is very timely. Hopefully it, it, it opens uh, and, and creates some type of transparency and we can fix this and everybody move towards it. But, you know, this is a big L this weekend. Big L for the NFL, man. Uh, L for the Shield. No doubt about it. Bengals, Rams, who you got winning the Super Bowl? I'm going Rams. I think they're hungry. They've been there before. They just, they want it. They, they, nothing's stopping them from taking it this year. I'm going with the Rams. As a fellow guy who did a lot of losing his career and finally got a chance to win a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl 53, I'm rolling with Matthew Stafford and the Rams. They go, they stay in their home stadium and they come out victorious as winners of the Super Bowl this year. But before we get out of here, Dev, I want to take the time to tell a Brady story, each favorite moment, whatever it is. I'm going to go first. My favorite Brady moment, nothing 
nothing crazy. It just showed how competitive this guy was. It was the offseason after winning the Super Bowl in 18. Brady wasn't there for most for our OTAs, and we're there practicing, and we're going against the offense, and we're kicking butt. You saw that 2019 defense. We were one of the best defenses in the NFL that year, and we were, we were dialing it up on them, and Brady comes back for mandatory minicamp. And what I loved about mandatory minicamp is we're out there. And obviously, Brady came back. And it was a different tempo when he got out there. So the offense had a little bit more success. And I can remember standing on that sideline and work like cursing each other out from sideline to sideline. The defense cursing out Brady, Brady cursing out the defense, and he just made it so competitive, and that was him every single day. I mean, I remember there was a day where I think the first few reps of one-on-ones, Gilly got a pick, I got a pick, and then JC got a pick. Tom lost it, and this was just one-on-ones in the beginning of practice. Just his competitiveness, his desire to be great, like you said earlier, it pushed everyone around him, and that's my Brady story. Deb, what you got? I already I hit Brady for like five minutes. Don't don't try to put me back on the spot. I hit three stories in my whole uh, monologue about Brady. So um, I, I just think it's awesome. I, I, I love what you did in the show with TB12. Historic. Um, I, I love seeing you not up here right now. You're in sunny Florida, South Florida. But the billboards, it's TB12 crazy down here. Can't drive down Route 1 without seeing a couple billboards of Tom, Tom Brady. So uh, may the legend live on forever. Love to see it. Appreciate you guys always tuning in to Double Coverage with the McCordy Twins. You guys know you can check us, YouTube, Spotify, uh, iTunes, all of those things. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at McCordy Twins. Thank you guys for tuning in. Deb, what Mama, should they we tell made it. There we go. See you guys. on it.